Millions of us go to the beach every year and we swim in the ocean. And if we go to Galveston Beach, um, it's a little bit scary because you can't see anything in the water, so you can get up to your ankles and not know what's under there. Um, but some of us are brave enough to go to a depth that's over our head. And we swim in the ocean and enjoy that and feel like we're taking a little bit of a risk. But scientists tell us that 95% of the world's oceans are still unexplored. That's because a scuba diver can safely dive to a depth of maybe 140 feet. And if you have some special equipment and training and expertise, you can go a little bit deeper. But the deepest part of the ocean is the Marianas Trench and it's 36,000 feet deep. That's seven miles below the surface. If you were to take Mount Everest and place it in the ocean at its deepest point, there would still be a mile of water above the peak of Mount Everest. That's how deep our unexplored oceans are. And I believe that most Christ followers only experience about 5% of all that God has for us. We're just content to stay in the shallow, warm, comfortable water, when God is calling us to a new depth in our relationship with him and the people in our lives. Now, the Bible word for this is fellowship, and it comes from a Greek word, koinonia, and it literally means to love and be loved at the deepest level. It's the deepest form of connection, and it's what God wants for each and every one of us. You can have lots of followers and likes on social media, but what you really need are a few people that you're in fellowship with. And this is God's purpose for every married couple, that you're in fellowship with your spouse, loved and being loved at the deepest level. And you can only have that if you have spiritual oneness. There's physical oneness, emotional oneness, and spiritual oneness, and God wants you to have all three in a marriage relationship, but the most important is spiritual oneness. Now, in scuba diving, the deeper you go, the greater the risk. And the deeper you go in a relationship, the greater the risk. But it's so worth it. The reward is so much greater than the risk because fellowship is what you were made for. You were made to love and be loved at the deepest level. And so if you don't take that risk to go to a new depth with the Lord, and your relationships, then you'll never really experience why you are made. That's why next weekend we're starting a brand new series that I'm calling Diving Deeper. It's going beneath the surface with God and others. It's moving deeper than the shallows that we normally stay at, and we never find fulfillment and true joy in our relationships. And so I just wanna introduce it this weekend and then we're gonna kick it off next weekend, which is fall kickoff at Woodlands Church. We're calling it Boardwalk Weekend because we're gonna have a boardwalk out on the plaza and at all of our campuses. We're gonna have games and bouncies for the kids and food trucks and just, we're just gonna celebrate. We just believe church should be the most fun you have all week. It also ought to be the most life-changing place you go all week, and that's because God's word is life-changing. So I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four as we just introduce the series today. We're gonna do a little study of Ephesians four, so would you stand in, God, uh, in honor of God's word and 
I want to welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellites and through our online and broadcast ministry and everyone here in the Woodlands, at the Woodlands campus. Um, just follow along with me. I picked out a few verses from Ephesians 4, then we're going to go over other verses from Ephesians 4, and by the end of our brief time today, you're going to have a good overview of Ephesians chapter 4 and what it means to really go deeper, because the only way to go deeper in a relationship is to get beneath the waves of conflict and anger and come to a new understanding. So follow along with me. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Dear God, I know that what we're talking about today is really one of the deepest things we could ever talk about. Because it's really where the rubber meets the road, Lord. Because we all have anger and we all have conflict in our lives, but Lord, it's how we handle that that will determine if we just stay in this shallow, unfulfilling place or we move to a whole new depth of richness and meaning and fulfillment. And so I just pray right now that you'd open up our eyes so that we could see what you're trying to show us here, Lord, because the whole reason why we were made is to be in fellowship with you and others. And Lord, I thank you that fellowship is so much more than just hanging out and having fun together, even though that's a big part of it. But Lord, it's so much deeper to really be known, to really be loved. And I just pray that you would, right now, start working miracles, Lord. So as we kick off this series next week, there will just be so many lives changed. There will be so many people who've come to know you in a real way. And there'll be so many marriages, Lord, that will really go to that new depth, that you will just bring healing in marriages and families and relationships and friendships with coworkers, that you would change businesses and workplaces, for I know, Lord, that's what you wanna do. So we pray that your kingdom would come on this earth and in our church as it is in heaven. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I was talking to one of the marine biologists several years ago at the downtown aquarium, and I asked, you know, when you have an aquarium at home and you go out and you buy one of those expensive fish, maybe a 20 or $30 fish, and then you, you bring it home, you're so excited, then it dies the next day or it dies a week later, and it's so frustrating. And I said, do you ever have that happen here? He said, oh yeah, fish die in our huge tanks all the time. But the difference between your home aquarium and our huge tanks is when one of your fish dies, you know it right away because they float to the top belly up. But here, the only way we know a fish has died is we think, wait a minute, I haven't seen that fish in about two weeks. And that's because when a fish dies there, it gets eaten right away and sometimes it's the cause of death. And so in the real ocean, there's a lot of aggression. There's a lot of real emotion in the ocean. And there's a lot of real emotion in the ocean of relationships. There's a lot of aggression in relationships. But this passage 
tells us that anger and emotion and conflict is something essential that you need to go to new depths called fellowship. The Bible tells us anger is a God-given emotion. It says, in your anger, do not sin. And so the emotion, the feeling of anger is not a sin. It's how you deal with that anger that determines if it's a destructive sin or a constructive emotion. But sometimes the most appropriate emotion you can have in a relationship is anger. If you really care about someone, if you really care about the relationship, there are going to be times you get angry. And that's okay, it's a God-given emotion. In fact, if you never get angry in a relationship, it just means you don't care. If you care, there will be times when you get angry. But you can get angry because you care deeply about someone or a relationship when things aren't going right. And you can express that anger so wrong that it doesn't deepen the relationship, it destroys the relationship. It's all about how you handle the anger, how you express the anger. You have anger because you care, but if you express it wrongly, it will destroy rather than deepen the relationship. And we all have tendencies to express our anger in these unhealthy ways, to let the anger come out in unhealthy ways that are destructive to us and others. And so I've picked out several of the creatures in the deep that I want us to compare ourselves with. And just sort of recognize yourself in this, which one of these describes you and the way you tend to handle your anger, because we all have these unhealthy ways of handling anger. First is what I call the puffer fish. The puffer fish blows up when they're angry. And everyone can tell when a puffer fish is angry because they explode, they power up, they get real emotional. You can see their emotion in the ocean so you know when they're angry. And usually after they explode or they get really emotional, they feel better. But everyone else feels a lot worse. So how many of you know a puffer fish? Raise your hand, yes. You can leave your hand up if you are one. No, don't leave it up, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not gonna point you out today. Usually, we're one of the first two. The second one is the hermit crab. Hermit crabs go into their shell when faced with conflict. They avoid anger and conflict at all costs. They get angry, but they kind of stuff it in, and you can't go to new depths, especially the depth of fellowship, without some conflict. And so usually... Um, you're a puffer fish or a hermit crab. You know, you explode with emotion or you stuff it in. But there's some others too. And, and I would say this, every one of us have probably two or three ways that we do this at times. Then there's the angel fish. This is the passive aggressive attacks. When I was a kid, I got a fish tank and I had several beautiful tropical fish you know, it was like I had Nemo, you know, the clownfish, and I had some other tropical fish that, that just looked really beautiful. And I was at the pet store one day, and I saw this amazing, beautiful angelfish, this big, angelic-looking fish. And I thought, I gotta have that angelfish. And so I bought the angelfish, I brought it home, put it in the tank, and within a week, it was the only fish left. They should call them devilfish, because... Uh, 
They're nothing like an angel. They're not angelic and sweet at all. And they're very aggressive, and if you put an angelfish in your tank, you've gotta make sure the other fish are just the right kind of fish, or it's disastrous, like it was for me. And so, what I call angelfish type of people is, when an angelfish type person is angry, they talk real syrupy and sweet, or even real spiritual, but on the inside, they're seething with anger. But they don't show it. You know, sometimes they're too spiritual to be angry, but they're really angry. And so it comes out in sarcastic, you know, quips. It comes out in sarcastic bites. It comes out in sarcasm, or it comes out behind the back, stabbing someone behind the back with gossip or negative talk. It's probably easier to deal with a pufferfish than it is to deal with an angelfish, because at least with a pufferfish, it's out in the open. Everyone knows they're angry. And you can deal with it when it's out in the open, but with angelfish, it's really hard because a lot of times they won't even admit that they're angry because they just stuff it down. But, but it comes out in really unhealthy ways. I have to say that sometimes I'm an angelfish. You know, sometimes I feel like, oh, I shouldn't be mad, I shouldn't feel this way, but I feel mad. But I try to deny, oh, I shouldn't feel this way, I'm a good Christian. And I kind of stuff it down, and then it comes out in all kinds of sarcastic ways. And unfortunately, Chris has experienced that many times. And it's just so much better to just admit, I'm angry. You know, I'm really mad about this. Because then you can deal with it. So the next type is what I call the stingray. The stingray. They attack you when you step on them. You know, stingrays are pretty harmless. You can hold stingrays, but if you ever step on a stingray, that barb will come up and get you. And that's the way it is with stingray people. You think they're mild-mannered. That person never gets angry. And then you step on something important to them, and boom, they sting you. And you think, where did that come from? Yeah, I never saw that coming. I thought they don't ever get mad. And boom, they just blew up. It's a stingray person. And then there's the electric eel. They're always angry and isolated. Whenever you see an electric eel in an aquarium, they're always isolated in an aquarium of their own. That's because if other fish get close to them, they'll get shocked. In fact, an electric eel possesses enough voltage to kill a scuba diver if they get too close. And, and so the electric eel kind of person is someone that no one wants to be around because they're always moody, they're always grumpy, they're very consistent, just grumpy and negative. So no one wants to be around them and, they, and it keeps them from experiencing deep and joyful relationships. But then there's the shark. Some people are like the shark. They attack when there's blood in the water. When they see someone failing at work, you know, they just pile on. You know, they come in and they attack at a low point. And a shark in an argument is always trying to win the argument. But you can win the argument and lose the relationship. That's not the point to win an argument. The point is to build a relationship closer and deeper. But then there's the piranha. The piranha is that little fish that's just got those sharp teeth and just takes little bites, little bites, little bites, little bites, but it's destructive. Constant, critical, biting comments. Piranha people are always critical of others, always judging others. They chew on people with little biting comments constantly. And those little digs really add up. You can bury a relationship with a lot of little digs 
And that's the way piranha people are. Hey, it's much easier to stay on the boat and not rock it than it is to dive deeper. But yet, it's so worth it to dive deeper because that's where all the adventure and the fulfillment is in that area of fellowship. I know Chris and I and every one of our kids years ago got our diving cards. And to get our diving cards, uh, back then you had to take two days of classes. Now you can do it online, but you still have to go through the book and, and you have to learn so much. And then you have to go out and take your open water dives and you do a certain number of open water dives. And if you succeed at that and all the skills that are taught and you pass that, you get your diving card, your seat card. And so everyone in our family got our seat card and diving is so much fun, and there's not a whole lot to it, but it can be dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And so they give you lessons. You gotta pass the test. You know, we give lessons for just about everything today. There's piano lessons, voice lessons, dance lessons. Uh, there's all kinds of sports lessons, tennis lessons, golf lessons. But when it comes to building deep relationships and learning how to handle anger and conflict, nobody gives you any lessons for that. And it's the thing that destroys most relationships. It's not the anger, it's how people handle it because no one's ever taught them the biblical way to handle anger. This God-given emotion that God places in our lives to be our ally. Anger, God gave us to be our ally so that we can have deep relationships at the fellowship level where we are truthful and we have conflict, we work through it and we're known and we're loved. That's the only way. Relationships have to be messy so they can go from mess to miracle. And so that's why next weekend we're starting this series because we're gonna take some lessons on how to deal with the emotion in the ocean. We're gonna take some lessons on how to dive deeper and really handle conflict because you're gonna experience it. We're gonna take some lessons on how to express our anger because you're gonna get angry. But it's part of God's plan. He wants it to be our ally. So I just wanna introduce it by giving you some steps to a new depth. First, see beneath the surface. I've got to see beneath the surface. Now the first piece of equipment you need in scuba diving is the mask. Because if you don't have a mask, you'll never see beneath the surface. There's no reason to go scuba diving without a mask. In fact, you better make sure that your mask doesn't fog up. Put some of that defog in it, spit in it, whatever you wanna do. But you gotta make sure that mask doesn't fog up because without a mask or a clear mask, you can't see beneath the surface. You're just wasting your time. And the Bible says when it comes to anger and conflict, you gotta be able to see beneath the surface. In Ephesians 4.14, it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. When you're on the surface of the waves of conflict and anger, you just get tossed back and forth and you don't get anywhere. When you're on the surface, you just fight, you have conflict, but it's destructive and not constructive. It doesn't get you anywhere. That's why some of you have been arguing over the same things over and over and over and over again, and you just never get anywhere because you just stay on the surface. You get tossed back and forth on the surface. For a relationship to get mature, it has to go beneath the surface. So whenever you feel angry, anger comes out on the surface as a surface issue. 
but it really starts deep down. And so you gotta go deep down under the surface to see the root cause of it. And you wanna ask yourself, why am I feeling angry? Why do I feel this way? Because usually we argue about a surface issue and we don't get to the root cause. And there are usually three root causes, deep causes of anger. First is hurt. We get angry when we feel hurt. When someone hurts us, when someone we care about, if someone we don't care about hurts us, then it's usually not that big a deal. But when someone we care about hurts us, it hurts a lot. And so when we get hurt, we get angry. And then fear, whenever we're afraid, when we feel insecure, we get angry. You trap an animal in the corner and they're afraid and they'll attack. And so whenever we're fearful, we get angry. And then frustration, when we get irritated, when we have to wait in traffic. Uh, we get irritated and frustrated and we get angry. And, and really there's a deeper root to frustration that's trying to control. Because whenever I get really frustrated, it's because I'm trying to control something that I can't control, that I'm not God. And so the higher my control issues, the higher my anger level. And we're all control freaks to some degree. And so whenever I'm really frustrated and I'm angry, and I, I, why am I angry? It's because I'm frustrated. Well, it means I'm trying to control something. And if I can get down to the root issue and be really honest about that and see beneath the surface, then I can get somewhere. So I always ask, why am I feeling so angry? And ask God, God, help me see beneath the surface to why I'm really so angry about this or angry at that person or angry about this circumstance. What's going on in me? What's deeper inside? Otherwise, I'm just attacking the surface issue. And so if you can learn in your relationships to express the root cause of your anger, to say, I feel hurt when you did that. I feel hurt, you know, I got angry because I, I, I felt hurt. Or I feel afraid when you do that, it makes me feel insecure. Or I feel frustrated when I see you do that. Uh, then you're talking about the root issue, you're gonna still have conflict, it's still gonna be messy. But at least you're not just attacking each other, tearing down the relationship. What you're doing is you're going to the deepest level so that you can build the relationship up with honesty and transparency and understanding, and, and when you come at it that way, you gotta be a real jerk to reject that. I felt really hurt when you did that. Well, you shouldn't feel that way. That's not why I did that. I mean, that's just being a jerk, you know? And we're all capable of that, that's for sure. But it's, help me understand that. You felt hurt, why did you feel hurt? Let me understand that. And, and it gets messy, sometimes it gets loud, but you work through it, and you have an understanding of each other. So you gotta see beneath the surface. And then second, you gotta regulate the pressure. In scuba diving, you have a tank that's filled with compressed air. It's just under a lot of pressure, and so if you were just to take this tank, put your mouth on this tank, and go into the ocean, That wouldn't work, okay? The air is so compressed, so what you have to have is what's on this tank right here. It's called a regulator. It regulates that compressed air so that it comes out in a way that you can breathe it. And that's the way it is with anger and conflict. 
You have to regulate that anger, otherwise it just bursts out. And so how do you do that? First, don't vent angry feelings. Don't ever vent angry feelings. Proverbs 29, 11 says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Saying it's foolish to blow up and to explode in anger. It's like the tank without a regulator. You just explode, you can't breathe in that air. And that kind of anger is not gonna be understood. You'll never get to the root issue. Don't blow up. Here's the key to it in Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so when I'm feeling so angry at someone who's hurt me, whether they know it or not, I'm feeling that way. And so I always wanna stop and think, now wait a minute, am I gonna go to them and talk to them about this because I am so mad and I just wanna get it off my chest? Or am I doing this because I care about the relationship? And sometimes it's, I don't wanna do this because, I mean, I know it's gonna be a mess if I admit my anger and my hurt, but you know what, I care about them and I care about this relationship too much, so I'm gonna do the tough thing and I'm gonna go to them and I'm gonna share this with them. And then other times, it's, man, I can't wait to tell them something here. You know, I cannot wait. I'm gonna get this off my chest and I'm not even gonna think about it. I'm just gonna go and they deserve it. I'm gonna let them have it. And it's just selfishness. It's just for me. And so you always wanna ask yourself, what's my motivation behind it? What's the motivation behind this? And then don't vent and don't hold in angry feelings. Don't hold in angry feelings. In scuba diving, they tell you over and over again, never hold your breath, because the worst thing you do in scuba diving is hold your breath, because it's like a balloon. If you take a full balloon and you take it down under the water, the deeper you go, the smaller the balloon gets because the air gets compressed because of the pressure, and then as you raise the balloon back up, it goes bigger and bigger till it's full size again when it hits the top of the water. And so when you're breathing in the compressed air from this tank deep underwater, the air is compressed in your lungs. And so then if you hold your breath and you ascend to the surface, your lungs will expand very rapidly and your lungs could explode, which wouldn't feel very good. And so that's why they say never hold your breath, never hold your breath. Now, if you have an emergency and your tank stops working, you can ascend to the surface, but you need to exhale just all the way up because you never hold your breath. If you hold your breath, you can get a very serious lung injury. Now that sounds awful, but the thing is, you don't wanna hold your breath. You know, when you're breathing in that regulator, I mean, you're so glad you've got a breath there that you can breathe and you, you don't wanna hold your breath. It's not natural to hold your breath. You wanna breathe, and so it's just real easy. Just keep breathing, and things will probably be okay. Keep breathing, and it's all right. And that's the way it is with anger. The worst thing you can do is hold your breath. Hold it in. The worst thing you can do is to stuff it down. Because when you do that, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Because if you do that, you give the enemy a real foothold because over time, anger changes, and it changes into bitterness, and bitterness is the great destroyer of relationships. Anger can be an ally if it's expressed right. 
but anger stuffed down. In fact, the Bible says try not to go 24 hours without expressing it in a, in a healthy way. Try not to go 24 hours because if you go for a day or two or three or three months, man, that, it builds up and you stuff it down and it's gonna come out, but it'll come out in bitterness, resentment, which can destroy the relationship. So how do you regulate the pressure? Well, you do that by spiritual breathing. And so what you wanna do in spiritual breathing is you wanna breathe out anger. You breathe it out by admitting it. You breathe out anger. Luke, I am your father. Some of you are going, that sounds like my husband every night. You know? <laughs> I've been wearing this all week with my mask just to stay healthy. No. You gotta breathe out. Breathe out anger because you gotta admit the anger to God, admit it to yourself. You, you wanna admit the root cause, which makes you vulnerable. I'm hurt. I, I don't like to admit that I can be hurt by you. And so when I get to the root cause and I admit, man, that hurt, that means that people can hurt me and that makes me feel vulnerable when I admit to someone, hey, that really hurt. Or that made me afraid. That made me feel insecure when you said that. I mean, I, I don't wanna admit that, that, that a person can make me feel insecure, but that's being vulnerable and when we get right down to it, that's the only way we can get to a deeper level. Now, we have tend a tendency to breathe it out on someone else rather than the person that we're angry toward, and this is called gossip, and, and it's so destructive because if they're not part of the problem or part of the solution, then it's gossip, and, and it's a devastating sin, and it's serious to God because we wanna tell someone else about it, to get someone else on our side, tell someone else about it, someone else to empathize with us, and rather than go to the person, like Matthew 18 says, you go to, the courageous thing to do is you go directly to the person and you tell them, hey, I felt hurt when you did that, and I care about this relationship, and you get right to it, and it is messy, but that's how you find the miracle. And then you breathe in grace by accepting it. When you express anger in the wrong way, and we do it all the time, I mean, it's messy. We're still learning all the time, and so we express anger in the wrong way. Then you just go to God and go, God, I'm sorry, I, I just blew it there. And you go to the person and say, I'm sorry, the way I let my anger out just was, that's not helpful, I'm so sorry. And you're quick to ask for forgiveness, and God forgives, you accept his grace. Now, now here's the thing, when you go into a situation where you feel angry, it's gonna be messy, and you're gonna make some mistakes but you have to be willing to own up to those mistakes and say, you know what? Shouldn't have done it that way. I'm sorry. I know that was hurtful. And so when we do that, it takes us to a deeper level and we experience God's grace when we say, nope, I'm not gonna admit to that. I didn't do anything wrong. They were more wrong than I was. Then you run from grace. It's a flight from God's grace. You don't get to experience God's grace, but when you start with, I'm sorry, then you experience God's grace and you have a chance to experience the grace of the other person. You don't know, they may or may not. Can't control that, 
but you get the grace of God in your life. And then the third thing is balance the truth with love. This is so important. You have to have the courage to confront, really the courage to love, because if you love someone, you'll confront the issue. If you care about the relationship, you have to care enough to have the courage to confront when you feel angry, when something's not going the right direction. It's the only way to go to the deepest level of fellowship. In diving, balance is so important. It's called buoyancy in diving. There's positively buoyant, and that is, it sounds really positive. It sounds like a good thing, but it's really not, because if you're positively buoyant, you'll be floating to the surface all the time, probably too quickly. And there's negatively buoyant, and that sounds bad, and it is. That means you sink to the bottom of the ocean. But then there's neutrally buoyant, and that's what you want, where you're just hovering over the reef, where, where you're just kind of floating and hovering over it, and you don't have to strain or struggle. You just get to look at God's creation and enjoy it, and, and it's not a struggle. You, you want to be neutrally buoyant to balance the truth with love. And so the way you do that is, first, you've got to have a weight belt. In diving, for someone like me to be able to go deeper, I've got to have a weight belt with a lot of weight, you know, because I have a percent of body fat that can carry me to the top rapidly, okay? Let's put it that way. That's, that's more technical, okay? But, but here's the thing. So I have to have quite a bit of weight, you know? I, I, I put quite a bit of weight on to get me you know, to go down, and, and when I think about anger in relationships, there's the weight belt of truth that will take you deeper. You can't go deeper without truth. You've got to tell the truth. You've got to care enough to confront. You've got to care enough to share your true feelings. You've got to be open, and that will take you deeper. When you tell the truth, it takes you deeper, but if you just tell the truth with no love, you'll sink a relationship. You don't want to do that, so in diving, to balance that weight belt out, you have this jacket here that you wear, and it's called a BCD, which is a buoyancy control device. And the BCD, you can just fill it up with air, just the little bit of air you need until you're neutrally buoyant. And you're just hovering and just enjoying God's creation. And the BCD, the buoyancy control device in fellowship, is love, wrapping the truth with love. In Ephesians 4.15, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So you never beat people up with the truth. You never tell the truth to get it off your chest. You always wrap it in love. I know there are people that say, I always tell the truth. I'm just gonna be totally honest. I just tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may. What they're saying is, I'm really dumb, and I'm not good at relationships. Because you've got to tell the truth, but you have to wrap it in love. And your motive has to be love, and then it takes you deeper. Proverbs 27, six says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. For those of you who are managers in business, the only way to build a great team is to be gut level honest. Gut level honest in meetings. Gut level honest with each other. Totally honest, you gotta tell the truth, but you wrap it in love because it's all about helping them become better. Helping them become what they can be. But the only way to do that is to be gut level honest. 
in a marriage relationship. The only way to build a deep and lasting marriage is to care enough to confront, to be gut level honest, to tell the truth, but to wrap it in love. In parenting, the only way to build children with character is to care enough to confront behavior that's going the wrong direction. Behavior that hurts the child. You gotta care enough to give the truth, but you do it in love. What I'm talking about here, folks, is not for cowards. You gotta be courageous to go to this depth in a relationship. And you can't skip over the fun of fellowship. You can't skip over just the hanging out, getting to know each other. You can't skip over all that. That's a big part of it, eating together, all those things in fellowship, but you gotta have the courage to be truthful and to take it deeper in love so that you have a few people around you that know you, pray for you, and love you. That's what it's all about. Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. He's saying it takes effort, and so it is the most worthwhile thing you can do to make every effort to go to that depth of fellowship. If you're married in a marriage relationship, that depth of fellowship with your children, if you're a parent, that depth of fellowship with a few close friends. And you know what? Fellowship is what the church is all about. You see, we can be totally open and honest about our struggles and what we're going through because we have each other. That's what the church is for. It's the family of God. Fellowship is such a key in the church. That's where everyone needs to be in a life group at Woodland Church. This fall, we're gonna put everyone in life groups and it's gonna be an amazing time, but we all need fellowship desperately. But usually we don't make any time for it. The one thing we were made for, and then we wonder what's wrong, why we feel so off kilter, why we feel like there's something missing, why we feel an emptiness on the inside because we don't have time for what we're made for. We have to make time for the things that are most important and make every effort. So for the next several weeks, we're gonna take some lessons on how to handle conflict. We're gonna take some lessons on how to deal with our anger and go to the depth of fellowship in our relationships. You know, Mickey Moto makes some of the world's most beautiful and expensive pearls. And it's because Mr. Mickey Moto in Japan in 1893, um, came up with this way to culture pearls. Now, pearls have been around since oysters have been around. It's just that they were really hard to find, natural pearls, and a lot of times they weren't at the quality that they needed to be, and so Mikimoto discovered this way, came up with this way to culture pearls by putting an irritation in the pearl in just the right way, in just the right place, and then the pearl, of course, would secrete whatever it secretes all over the irritation and it would form this, these amazing pearls. And Mikimoto would take 97% of the pearls and chunk them because they weren't good enough and, and save the 3%. And that's how Mikimoto pearls started. And so that's how cultured pearls began with an irritation. So every time you see a beautiful pearl, it's just know it started with an irritation. It started with some pain. And so for the next several weeks, we're gonna focus in on that because God can take your pain and turn it into pearls. And some of you right now in your marriage relationship, 
you're experiencing some irritation. Maybe you're married to your irritant. Maybe you're sitting next to your irritation right now. Don't look at him, ma'am. Maybe your irritation is a coworker. Maybe your irritation is someone in the family right now. Maybe your irritation is your best friend. But boy, they're really getting to you right now. And maybe your greatest pain is in a relationship right now. It's usually the case. Our greatest pleasure, our greatest rewards are in relationships and our greatest pain is in relationships. And the closer the relationship is, the more pain and the more reward. And so maybe you're just in pain right now, but that pain, God can turn into a pearl over the next several weeks with God's power and God's grace. He can take the mess and turn it into a miracle. I believe that with all my heart. Do you believe that? Would you just thank the Lord and just affirm that you believe God's word, that he can do that, that he has the power to do that in your life? We can't control what anyone else does, but I guarantee you this, at the end of this series, your character will look more like a pearl. God will work on your character to make you more like Jesus. And I believe God's gonna work miracles in relationships. Let's bow together and pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love for us and what we're gonna be talking about starting next weekend is gonna take us to the deepest levels in our relationship with you and others. And Lord, it's, it's not complicated. It's really simple, but it's not simplistic, Lord, because it's not for cowards. Lord, it's really where the rubber meets the road. So I just pray right now you'd prepare our hearts and you'd already start working miracles and bring healing in relationships. Bring healing today in bodies. Bring healing today in families. Bring healing in emotions, Lord, that have been broken. Bring healing, Lord, to wounds and hurts that only you can. Bring healing in relationships. And I pray, Lord, for those who've never received you. I know that there's no way we can love at the level of fellowship without you and your power, human love has its limits. It's not natural, Lord, for us to forgive and to work through anger like that. It's supernatural, so we need you. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know you right now that they would just pray this prayer silently to you. Jesus Christ, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and come into my life. I accept your free gift of salvation. I need you to love through me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I accept you and your free gift to heaven. Be the Lord of my life and help me follow the way of love. Lord, to love you with all my heart and to love others the way they need to be loved is only you can. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life and he'll never leave you. He'll always be in your life. We wanna know about that. Tell someone about that. Maybe if you're online, just click Raising my hand to receive Christ. We can help you in that decision to grow in your faith. And it's gonna be amazing fall. Next weekend, we kick off the fall with our boardwalk weekend and the new series starting. I hope you'll invite friends and amazing things are coming, Wilderness Church. God's working in such a powerful way. And now we're at the part where we give back to God and we give because we love him. That's why we give because we love God and he commands us to give, to put him first. And I really challenge you this fall to start the fall by putting God first in your finances. Put God first in your schedule. 
Give him the first part of your day, maybe five, 10 minutes, and God will bless the rest of your day. Give God the first day of your week. You just did that by coming to church and putting God first. And then give God first place in your finances so that he can bless the rest. Whatever area you put God first in, he will bless. He wants us to give to show that he's first in the real important areas of our lives. And pray for the ministries of Woodland Church. We're stepping out in faith more than ever, and so I pray God will multiply the gifts. Um, and by the way, you can give in the offering basket or you can give by taking out your smartphone and just text the word Give WC to 77977. Give WC to 77977. Or you can give online, wc.org slash give, and set up recurrent giving, or you can just give stocks, assets, call the church office, we'll help you with that. Um, you can mail in your gift, but give for God's glory. And here's the thing, some of you have been blessed. God's working in your life right now in a big way financially. You need to acknowledge him and honor him by putting him first in that. Some of you are going through a tough time and I just wanna say that put God first in your finances. You say, well, I don't have much. Well, whatever it is, you put him first in it and you watch God as he begins to work and do amazing things in your life. And that's faith. It's one thing to give when it's gratitude after God blesses you and you need to do that because that's God's. We're not to steal from God, but then secondly, when you give ahead of it in faith, that's when God is so pleased. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I just really challenge you, give and put God first in these most important areas. Put him first by giving him the first day of the week and he'll bless the rest of your week. Put him first by giving him the first few minutes of your day, reading God's word and praying before you go off into your day and put him first in your finances by giving him the first portion of all you make. That's how you put God first. Well, Woodland Church, we love you so much and can't wait to see all that God's gonna do. Kicking off the fall next weekend, we're praying for you for God's blessing and strength and health and God watching over you. And let's stand together and let's sing our closing song. And in affirmation to what is coming and what you believe that God's gonna do in your life, let's just sing it with all of our hearts. Let's just first give the Lord another cheer, another clap. Just thank the Lord for who he is. Thank the Lord for Woodland Church. We love you. Let's sing together with all of our hearts. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.